0: Okay, hello everyone, Dashian Miller here from uh, Warrior Concepts, Bujakan Morino Toto Dojo, and of course here from Kuden Radio. Hey, look, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> James is back, right? And he's the one that said it's about time, or it's about damn time, I, I did. think said earlier, right? Yeah. I did. Damn freaking jobs outside of us, huh? Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, we should probably stay on topic. What do you think? All right, so kata and technique names, right? Do they mean anything uh, in the context of your training? Uh, Is there anything hidden, esoteric, or secret uh, that would make your skills and skill proficiency better? I don't know. No. Anyway, we'll talk about that and more when I get back and we start this thing up officially. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens, worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio. Real training for real people in a real world, and that's the truth. I got like two cameras going on. I think to, no, I'm I'm looking at my screen over here and see. James was gone for what a couple of weeks, and like I got used to being my own producer, and now I'm I'm like all over the place again. So anyway, right? So he's back. That's awesome. Hey, doing, brother? Good. <laughs> he was apparently sick for a couple of days, but he's he's better. Now. I hope he's better now. Because if you blow Chunks on screen, that's not going to be good. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, no. his dog's name is not Chunks. That's a different joke. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs>
0: Have you ever heard that one? No. No? Nope. Oh, man.
1: nope.
0: Boy, you ain't got no culture. <laughs> 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 anyway, all right. all so right. I bet some of them know, know that joke. Anyway, all right, so I'll have to tell it to you sometime. This this is a family show. This is not a family show. It's <laughs> not. This is for grownups, right? So <laughs> as one of my teachers used to say, this is for the big dogs, right? If you can't play with the big dogs, probably best if you stay on the porch, right? <laughs> and I know, you know, I'm just this fat old bald guy. At least that's what some people are saying on the videos. But uh, there's other people piping up like, I don't see any of you people like stepping up to like, you know, my information's all over the place. I'm not difficult to find, right? Whereas Stan said, I'm easy to find. So anyway. But have you noticed that, that I, I I haven't checked all of them. I mean, a couple more came out of the woodwork, but percentage wise, I mean they're like less than one tenth of one percent of all the views and comments and stuff that we get. But not that right. they're not right, right? I am fat, right? So, <laughs> but as Sam O'Hung used to say, uh out of shape or uh overweight, not out of shape. Something like that, right,
2: so mm.
0: is what it is, right? I got bad knees, bad hips, right, still vestiges of things from a broken back, so anyway, it is what it is. I was just I was laughing with somebody today, we were talking about um our knees and whatnot, I'm like, you know, if I have to do something, that adrenal spike is gonna get me through things, and then I can yeah. rest up for a couple of days, right, mm. and if it doesn't go well for me, then i no worries, right. Miko is saying about that: if you have uh, trouble or you have a problem and you can do something about it, don't worry. If you have trouble or a problem and you can do something about it, don't worry. Now, the enlightened assumption is that if you can do something about it, you will, and you're not just going to sit around pissing and moaning, and complaining and victimizing and all that kind of crap, right? And if you can't do anything about it, you're not going to be adding gasoline to the frickin' fire by running around and trying to make things happen, um, as though you can make karma just stop, right? Cause and effect just does what it does, right? So anyway, but that's not the point of this episode, right? And we've been talking about personal development and clarity and all that kind of stuff for a while. And, um, uh, I mean, you know, our regular viewers and listeners and all that kind of stuff like that, right? Cause that's this side of the training, right? Um, the YouTube shorts that I create are for the ones who have short attention spans and mm-hmm. like to keep on scrolling. And uh, if they think that they can learn um, all that there is to know about a technique or just a small movement, right. In a couple of seconds to a minute or less. Um, man, they should probably just, I don't know, stay in the same school district that they, <laughs> they went to or whatever, because it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. I me. Mean, I've been around, I've been training in the martial arts since 1975. Uh, James, where where were you in 1975? My wife mm-hmm. wasn't yet. My wife's 13 years younger. Than Neither me. was I. You weren't either? Right. Yeah. Anyway, right. so uh, I've been through a bunch of different arts and watched this uh, art and its training change, wow, half a dozen times at least, right? So, uh, but again, this plays to beliefs, right? um because psychology tells us that the way someone gets involved in something right um at least from the unenlightened mind kind of thing and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute because we've got another program coming up here um real soon I, I haven't done a live interactive online training program um in quite a while a couple of years holy yeah. shit a bunch of years right so uh, i think the last one i did was uh ninja motivation and influence right, right. how to get to do just about anything you want right um and the irony was that people like used it on themselves <laughs> a man's got to, or man or woman's got to know their limitations but anyway um the way someone gets involved in something i don't care if it's an organization an activity a relationship whatever um ego tends to assume that that's the way it's done right um i think yeah, we could probably like at the academy do a membership drive now, like a like a membership drive contest or, you know, whatever. Right. Get people to sponsor new members and stuff like that, because um, the other psychological principle is that we hang around people just like us. Right. We've mentioned that in past episodes. Right. Right. Show me your five uh, closest friends and I'll show mm-hmm. you your future. Right. Because you're the average. Right. If you're not the average, then you're the fucking leader. Right. So um anyway, um. Oh, did I just use that word? Oh, YouTube might kick me off or Facebook might kick me off. Anyway, um, so uh but there's this there's this, you know, belief about things, right? And um so then what ends up happening is are things like transference and, and whatnot, right? That um we then begin to think that other people think just like us and there's only one right way to do things and all this ego stuff. And if you don't know what that looks like, um, look at the comments on Facebook posts and YouTube videos and stuff like that. Right. And it's especially ones that are in the success, self-help, uh, personal development, all those kind of realms like that. Oh, martial arts. Um, I, there was, there was a session I did a bunch of a long time ago. And if you ever go through the first seven steps on the path of a Buddha course that we have, or it might come up in the upcoming, uh, 37 fundamentals program that we're going to be doing, but, um, uh, there's, uh, this, <clears throat> there's this, uh, again, it's this assumptive mind kind of thing, right. That, um, that people just kind of jump on, like there's only one right way and, uh, whatever. So anyway, I, it'll, we'll talk about it more later, but anyway, so, uh, what we're doing this time, right, is getting closer to all the physical stuff that people like to do, right? So we're going to talk about kata, right, and and techniques, right? Uh, kata, waza, right? Uh, they both can mean technique, but um, a waza is like an action, right? And it kata are made up of waza, strings of waza, right? Um, Nikyo, oh boy, you take this stuff really, really deep. But anyway, um, so what we're going to look at, are names. Right. And uh, not do they mean anything like do they translate into English or whatever your native tongue is. Of course they do. Right. But the question is, is do they mean anything? Right. Is there anything behind it? Right. And we're actually going to look at it um, two different ways. We're going to look at it from the perspective of it may or it may not. Right. Because um, they're both true. Right. Um, this That kind of stuff really pisses off the linear thinkers. <laughs> really like you know the black and white what either is or it not right I mean there's only one right way to do something and really then hmm. somehow um, we have to figure out or explain away the 3000 different languages and subdialects that exist on this planet because if there's only one right way to do things then we'd all be speaking the same friggin language because if we didn't then nobody could understand because we couldn't communicate properly since we can, well, that already throws a freaking bug in the wrench, right? So or whatever, right? It's making shit up. No, anyway. <laughs> so uh, we're going to look at it that way, and we're also going to look at it using this uh, ancient traditional framework called the shuhari, right? Shuhadi. I've I've done uh, lessons on that in the past as well. Uh, that was more. Um, I keep looking over here because James' pictures over here. So um, I'm not ignoring you, but now I am. No. Um, <laughs> It's so, still. Um, what is wrong with me? I'm exhausted, is what it is. Jesus, I spent my Easter weekend moving like I've been doing for the last month and a half, right? Um, I've never moved into a house that was still under construction, but I can never say that again, can I? Anyway, so um, uh, the I think we've done more of those things in the context of Whiteboard Wednesday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, so we're gonna look at it that way, but uh, I do have some kata examples because we're going to look at um, things from from different perspectives, right? So um, yeah, that's part of me because I'm gonna bring up my notes because this is one of those uh, times that uh, again, know thyself, right? I, I, I couldn't trust myself to just kind of throw this one out there, even though like I sat down today in one sitting and jotted out all my notes. Right. Um, that means I didn't have to go look in books and and things like that. Right. I just, I just dropped it out there, but since this is live, I I didn't want to like miss something or come across as, you know, kind of all out there or whatever. So, um, you, you will catch me looking at my screen because I want to make sure that I'm staying on track. Okay. So, um, Let's do this. Let's let's start um, in a place that maybe some of you know, right? There is a Zen saying, right, that in the beginning, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. And again, this is subjective translation from Japanese because it's going to come across differently sometimes or whatever. And sometimes they paraphrase or whatever. But um, in the beginning, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers to one who has stepped on the path. Mountains are no longer mountains and rivers are no longer rivers. And you can extend that to, to whatever. Right. But in the end, after the reaching of, uh, of clarity, of enlightenment, of w- wisdom, whatever, however you want to describe that. Right. Mountains are once again mountains. Rivers are once again rivers, rocks, trees, however you want to you know, translate that. Right. So um, what that means. Right. At a deep level is. To somebody who's not enlightened, right, Um, only things that are of deep interest get the kind of attention that allows us to control things, right, because we're we're really paying attention to detail, right, Um, but for most people, you know, if you've ever been hanging out with a friend or whatever and, you know, I don't know, pointed up at a cloud and said, hey, and looks like a turtle, right? Or you look at a tree and go, wow, that's, that's kind of unique, or whatever, right? Um, and had the person look at you and go, what, dude, if, you, if you've seen one cloud, you've seen them all, or, um, you know, you've seen one tree, you've seen them all, have, whatever, right? By extension, it's the same, right? Um, that, that's what that means, right? It just mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers, whatever, okay? You throw a name on it, Okay, so that's the one, the Ohio River, you know, runs this way and whatever, right? It's just a name, it's an identifier kind of thing, okay? Um, But once you really start studying, right, you could have, you know, five things that are in the same category, right? Um, They could even be, you know, instead of having like coniferous trees or uh, evergreens or, you know, whatever, right? Um, Conifers, you know, you could look at these things and have, Like five different ones, and okay, that one the 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 leaves, the needles right are really, really green, but they have this dull bluish green on the underside right they're uh, a certain thickness or a certain width and a certain length and and that kind of thing, right, and it grows a certain way, right, but then you look at this other one over here, right, and it has a different name, but you look at it and you go, hmm, those needles are more of a grayish green tint, right? And then the underside almost has a you know, so you start to see differences, right? But you take that farther because you, you start to recognize that by generally classifying things, you end up either missing a lot or causing damage. Okay. Um, I remember one time uh in my single days, right? Uh I was between um, uh, marriages. And, uh, I, I decided at one point to put myself back in the dating scene and, um, uh, was introduced to this, this, uh, woman and we, we went out and just had dinner, right. Had a really great time just laughing and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the night, she said, man, I had a really, really great time, but I, I mean, you're funny, you're all these things, right. But I, I gotta be honest. I, I can't have a relationship with you, and I'm you know in the back of my mind I'm thinking, crap, she's married or something like that, right? And um, it wasn't any of that. She said you look like, your humor is like, and you have some of the mannerisms of, and you dress like and whatnot, um, my uncle. And like every time I look at you, that that's who I see. And I said, you do you realize that I'm not your uncle? Right, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but I can't not see him when I look at you, when you laugh, when you, whatever. Okay, fair enough, right? But we have to be careful because we do these things on a regular basis, right? Um, And people do it with kata all the time, to the to the point where they miss a lot. Okay, now we're going to be looking at one thing, just names. Okay, because at certain points in the training, they're, it's not that they're mountains and rivers and things like that. Like to, to somebody outside the training, right. Um, it's just, dude, it, whatever. <laughs> it's just these, for those of you on the audio only, I just made like yeah. kung fu pose or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, they don't mean anything. Right. But to people in the art, right, um, they can get, I don't know, they need reference points, right? So uh, we'll be talking about some of these as, as we go along. Um, but, again, I, we, we need to reconcile the do they matter, like do the names matter, more than just a reference point, or do they not? Okay? Okay. And I'll tell you now, spoiler alert, right? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, right? When they do matter, right? What am I looking at or what am I looking for, okay? When they don't matter, okay, then why do we have them, okay? Um, Because sometimes when they don't matter, right, um, they're given very, very general terms, right? And other times when they don't matter, uh, there's a whole secret ninja kind of mindset behind them. Right. Well, regardless of whether it was a ninja school or a samurai school, it doesn't matter. Right. It's a very strategic kind of thing going on. Right. Um, and then at what point in my training should they matter? Right. So, again, uh, you know, I started training in the martial arts in 1975. I started in this martial art in 1980. Right. Okay? So I've been doing this a couple of weeks. Right. So. um there there were phases in my training where it was just I'll explain that as we go along right I'll even tell you what my notes look like and then there came a time when I started getting names right and they weren't just reference points but they still didn't mean much right they were just a just a name right and then there came a time when I really started recognizing differences in what the names could point to and you know i was trying to make that fit something right like and again an assumption right and then here we are somebody can count the years i don't care um where not only do i recognize that sometimes the meaning matters sometimes the meaning doesn't matter but also where it fits in a student's journey. Um, uh, James, were you in the class last week when we worked on? And I'm going to mention this kata later anyway, so it won't matter. Kromogais, um, uh, right? Um, where I yes. said I'm not going to tell you what it means, right? Right. As a matter of fact, I even duped the students. Not that I lied to them, right? But I implied that it was pointing to something. That the name does not mean. But what I was pointing to was the thing that matters. Right. Because it's not the name. It's the action. Right. But later on. Right. You, you know, you'll get this and I'll, we'll talk about this as we go along. Right. So anyway, um, let me just jump back on my notes again. I can't help weighing things sometimes. I just want to make sure that I'm in the right place. Okay. So again, I've been given, uh, translations of Kata names. I've also been told thing, uh, things relative to those names, right? Um, like there's a strategy within given Kata. The name doesn't point to it. It's just, there's a feeling or a strategy that that's in that Kata, like, uh, Koku, yokto. um, shit, the entire Togakure school, <laughs> the entire Shinden Fudo school, right? They all have this central premise about finding the way, finding the most natural way. So in the Gyoko and Koto, there are these kata that have that kind of strategic feeling, which then will permeate everything else in these two other lineages that I mentioned, right? It's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the kata name itself doesn't point to that, Right? Um, Koku, the cop name points to something different, right? It's implied by this other thing, but it means something different. Yokto same thing right um so again, we'll look at the translation of things um but again, does it mean something? does it not right um and if it does mean something different than just what the thing translates to? From Japanese, ancient Japanese to the, to your modern, to your, you know, mother tongue. Um, what is that thing? Right? So, anyway, um, again, we'll talk about that later, right? Um, so again, it, just like I said earlier, it wasn't much, uh, it wasn't until much later in my training career that I realized that all these things were right and correct, right? They were, they were correct and the right thing to do. But they were right and correct, like whether you pay whether the name meant anything to you or whether you should pay attention to it or not. Right. They're all right and correct. But at the right time, right at the appropriate time in a student's development. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And what is that? Well, the teacher will let you know if the teacher is worth their salt um, for more than just teaching you monkey moves or um, the teacher jumped right over monkey moves and is just teaching you, uh, shit ton of henka, whatever. Okay. So again, we'll talk about that later. So, um, we've got a little scroll thing here. All right. So, um, all right. So, uh, for now I'm going to risk it, uh, as, as far as talking about and sharing some of these things with you, right? Because everybody that's, on this live now, and, and if you're listening to this, um, you know, via audio only later on on one of the podcast services, um, I don't know your context, right? I don't know where you are in your training. What I do know is that unless you have not think you have, right. Uh, if you have the kind of, uh, control and whatnot over your own mind, over your own ego, uh, desires and all that kind of stuff right um then you'll be honest with yourself but um ego has a tendency to grab a hold of this and then just want to jump ahead because it's easier to to ape something to mimic it than it is to actually have the ability or the discipline to go through the the process right um because we want the outcome right we want the benefits but we don't want the challenge okay no matter what's what people say right there's the rare person who wants the challenge OK. So, again, for now, I'm going to risk it by giving you some of these things. um, And I'm not even going to ask for you to promise to not, you know. Be stupid with it. Okay. just you'll do you. um, But just know that and I know that that's happening. This is not just a you thing. Right. I know it's going to happen because it happened to me. It happens to everybody. Right. The trick is. Try to rein yourself in and work the process. If you don't, well, then sooner or later, either frustration is going to catch up because it'll just feel like I'm doing the same shit all the time, no matter how many new techniques I get. And regardless of their names, because I can't break free of this, this kind of a beginner level, beginner to intermediate level kind of thing, regardless of your rank is not a rank thing, right? Um And then I run the risk of quitting because it all looks the same and I'm getting bored or um I will hit a wall as I've done at several black belt levels and have to back up and re-examine things, find the missing piece so I can move forward. And when I move forward, if I, if I found the right piece, when I move forward, the wall's not where it was when it was stopping me. Right. But again, you know, that's a that's a you thing. Right. I I do and continue to do my thing. Right. So let me tell you a story. Right. Um, uh, it was a class with sumaya No, I'm sorry. Not Sumaya-san. san Right. Um, uh, and we were doing this technique. Right. And nobody recognized it. Right. And people were asking the name. Right. The name of the technique that we were doing. They were asking what lineage it came from, what scroll it came from, which of the nine schools, all that kind of stuff. Right. And the Gucci sensei just like stops and he just kind of chuckles and he goes, doesn't matter. You can't do it anyway. Right. Huge point. Huge point. Right. Um, at this, uh, this other teacher, uh, as a matter of fact, it's, I, I basically borrowed that lesson um, over last week's lesson where I was talking to James about that one technique. And I said, I'm going to tell you the name of the kata so you can write it down until you have a reference point, but I'm not going to tell you what it means. Because if I tell you what it means, your brain's going to race ahead. Now, in a bit, I'm going to, I'm going to mention that kata and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you what it means. Okay. So all the students that were in that class will now know what it means, but I may, I force them, right, by not telling them what it it translated to, to pay attention to the right action, to the important piece that the name doesn't even hint at, right? Um, But unless you're initiated or unless your teacher knows what's going on, then you don't really understand how to make it happen, right? I mean, people were just going to be like, yanking and tugging all over the place okay and and you'll 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 see when i get there okay so anyway um most of the notes right in my first set of notebooks right are titled i don't know uh, paraphrase it right x come i versus uh y attack or uh we use the godai elements a lot so right so uh abc element versus xyz attack so it might say uh ichimonji versus uh uppercut right uh, Jumonji versus uh, front snap kick, right? Uh, it might be um, uh, Earth strategy versus uh, you know jab jab right cross combination or something like that, right? Does that make sense? Okay. What the hell was that? Was that on your end?
1: Yes, motorcycle okay. just went past.
0: All right, fantastic. Right. So I haven't soundproofed my office yet either. So I'm waiting for some jack wagon to go by. Anyway, all right. So um, just for, I I, I don't know, now that I'm thinking about it, hopefully by me asking him if that was on his end, you know that that wasn't like, I don't know, major indigestion on my part or um, James having a revisitation of like Buick and Pontiac. Right. And you probably don't know that reference. Anyway. So, all right. So, um, and here's the thing, right? In the earliest days of this art in this country, right, we weren't given cotton names, okay, because the name didn't matter, right? We were left to write the notes in a way that we would remember them, right? So what was important was the action. What was important were the tactics and strategy, right? How were we controlling the situation, right? So we were forced by not giving a by not being given a name, we were forced to look at timing distancing angling the essential nature of the technique right those kind of things because we didn't have this ego entertainment right to kind of get our head wrapped around okay we had to we had to figure it out right so um again i just sounded like i was like 70 right wait it's got to be older than that because i'm now 60 and i don't feel like 60 right but anyway um so uh again, you know, then then things started to leak out, like mid-80s, right, suddenly people find out there's kata lists, right, from the lineages, oh, the lineages have kata, and there are lists, right, for each of the scrolls, right, oh, there was this huge, huge, just jump, I mean, people were, like, typing out, typing them out, uh, and then um, offering them out, uh, the Internet was in its infancy. Right. And so they were like posting this stuff or they were selling them for a couple of bucks a piece or whatever. People were just fucking jonesing to, to go out there. And then what happens? What does ego pay attention to now? Ego's got a list. Oh, do I know that one? Do I know that one? Do I have I collected all the stamps in the set? Right. So no longer are we working on like this action until we get it. And then we can start working on some variations and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Do I have this one? Do I have this one? Do I have this one? Okay, great. So then what happened was we went from training to own a technique. And owning means it's in muscle memory, right, to have I learned it. You can learn something and not know it. Like I learned one time how to say I love you. Uh, or no. Hello, how are you in Russian? I have no idea. I'd say, hello, how are you in Russian? I'm sure I can look it up. Right. But I would only know it if I practiced it enough for it to get in here. Right. And then, you know, for that to turn from information to knowledge, turning into wisdom would be knowing when it was appropriate to use it. Right? Just like I love you or whatever. Right? I remember when I was learning German, I was stationed in Germany what was then West Germany, when I was in the army, right? And um, I learned this word, Schatzi, right? Which, in the context of something I was reading, right, could be like really close friend. Could, no, 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 Schatzi is sweetheart, right? So, you know, knowing not to call somebody Mein Schatzi, who was back then, right? I mean, now, who knows? It's all subjective, right? But back then, right, not calling a a fellow soldier who understood German, right, Mein Schatzi, right? Keep you out of trouble. <laughs> Those kind of things, right? So anyway, right? So what I'm what I'm pointing to here is the, the getting the action right, right? The name matters only so much as it's an in indicator, right? It's it's an identifier. This one versus this one. Whatever, right? Okay? So this is the shu, F-H-U, right, of the shu Uh, it's a traditional train, uh, training framework for those of you who've never heard it before, right? Um, but shu means to copy, right? The teacher shows something and you copy it, right? You do it until you can do it as close to the way your teacher's doing it as possible, given variations of like height and whatever, right? But, um, Nothing else matters, okay? When would we use this sensei doesn't matter you can't do it right well I mean what's the what's the point of it? doesn't matter. You can't do it right? and that's the Japanese approach to things for everybody that wants to do Japanese only the Japanese way, right The Japanese teacher would tell you to shut up doesn't matter, right, but students wouldn't be asking because their assumption is at that level, if the teacher wanted me to know, they would tell me okay. Um, It's only here in the West where, especially um, the last, who knows, 10, 20 years or whatever, where people won't do, they won't do uh, something that a teacher or a leader or whatever tells them to do unless they're told why. Because I said so. Uh, You want to be this thing over here? Do this thing. Well, I, I don't understand how it fits in. Well, no shit. You're not at that level. If you were at the level where you understood how it all fit in, you wouldn't be in this class. You'd be in a different class, okay? And that's just the way it works, okay? Everybody wants to ego wants to run around and collect all the whys. right? And then it'll determine whether or not things are worth doing. Interesting. Doing teaches you relevance. Okay. Anyway, all right. So, um, uh, so. This shoe stage, right, means to copy, right? It's the be able to do the technique you were given and nothing else matters until you do or you can do part of the training, right? You just keep working it until you're able to do it. Nothing else matters until you're able to do it. No other questions. When would I use it? How would I use it? Where would I use it? What type of per- attacker would I use it? It doesn't matter. If you can't do it, none of those things matter. Okay. Um, but anyway, let's get back to the question, right? Do the names matter more than just as a way to identify one technique or kata from another? Okay. So, um, again, may or may not, but, um, so here, let's, let's do this. Let's start with the, uh, the reasons that the name may be important. And I'm, I'm like capitalizing, circling, underlining, and all that may be important. Okay. But again, it's, it's, This is a different phase of training, okay? Just like there's three different um, levels of initiation or three different levels of transmission for every single kata, every single technique, right? First level transmission, shoo, copy, just do the thing, right? Next level, next level, sanshin, same thing. There's three levels of transmission for the sanshin, and they're all called something different, right? Sanchi no kata, Gogyo no Kata, that kind of thing, right? Okay. Yeah, I know the models look the same, but what the students supposed to be looking at and looking for are not the same. Okay. So anyway, right? Um, So let's look at a couple of um a couple of things, right? Where the kata name points to something. Okay. So first, as simple examples. Okay. So for instance, in the Kyonopo, from the Gilko school, right? The principal, the kionapō comes from the Gilko school, right? The kionapo I'm putting these things in air quotes for people that can't see me, right? That most people know these eight techniques, right? Um, I'm going to repeat this again, and I'm going to keep repeating it until I have the same kind of nausea, right, that James had, right? Um, and hopefully the stuff, anyway. Um, <laughs> um The word happo is a contraction of hachi ho. Okay. Eight ways, eight methods, that kind of thing, which is where the confusion comes in because when you put those together, right, um, and contract them, happo, now points to infinite, just like goku ho, six ways six methods six directions that kind of thing will bowl points to infinite the beginner starts off with the literal eight six four whatever but the process produces infinite being able to roll in any direction leap in any direction break fall in any direction do your kata in any direction okay um, if we were to have a list of eight things, right? Um, then that in Japanese, that's kihon hapan, right? Hachi han, hachiban, right? Ban, right? Eight things. Okay, it's a list. Okay, it's not the same. Okay, the principal kyonapo in the Gyoko school where the kyonapo comes from, right? You don't have eight. Okay. You have 10 just on the torite, right? Uh, what most people would call the grappling parts, right? Um, and a bunch of those are just variation upon variation of omote gyaku, right? Because it's it's pointing at something that you can take and run with later, right? And the uh, sanden kamai, right? Sanden kata, right? Uh, Ichimonji, Hicho, Jumonji, right? That's six because you have to be able to do them left and right. Okay. So, um, and that's without touching the dragon and tiger realms, which now spins things out, or what in some of the schools, like in the Koto school and whatnot, are called Sayu, right? Or Migi, Hidari, right? Left and right. Okay. See, so to the beginner mind, Hidari and Migi, left and right means i do it left side forward and right side forward but if you understood that hidati and migi saw you and tiger and um, uh, dragon are pointing to how much control you have and uh, essential nature of things and aggression level and all that kind of stuff right it's not the same it's not baby talk it's not that's left side forward that's right side forward this is your left hand. This is your right hand. OK, so um, and I know how much that offends people because nobody should talk to me like that. Well, they're not. They're not going to inflect it that way. But, you know, we take baby steps and then we think we know everything. That's called a teenager. And then you mature and find out that, one, you don't know everything. But two, there's more to to things um, than, you know, just a simple answer. Right. So anyway, um, so, uh, like, uh, let's, let's borrow one, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to back up. I'll go back over to the, to the gyoko you. I didn't plan on talking about that one, but why not? Right. So ichimonji no kata, right? ichimonji no kata, right? Um, again, it's an indicator for people. They know what they're doing, right? They know the form, right? But in the gyoko there's a, there's a process. There's a progression, right? And I learned this from Anakadashi Shihan way, way back in the early 80s. Okay. Well, he's unsui now, right? He has the jininkan, right? Monaka um, shihan, I guess was the term then, right? But anyway, um, so first you learn Ichimonji no kamai, and then you learn Ichimonji no kata. Huh. Because Ichimonji no kata, kata means example. So here's an example for using Ichimonji no Kamai. Hmm, Kamai. Interesting. Are there more examples? Of course, there are. You run it through the Kionapo process, the Kionapo principle, and you make eight variations of that kata. And then you make eight variations of each of the variations. You make eight variations of each of those variations until that first model you're given. Ego loses grip of it and it becomes just another variation among variations for how you use Ichimonji no Kamai. Same thing with Jumonji. You learn Jumonji no Kamai, and then you learn Jumonji no Kata. It's an example for using, except that Jumonji no Kamai, or Jumonji no Kata, starts with Jumonji no Kamai, but finishes, like, first step, finishes with Ichimonji no Kamai. Hicho no Kamai. You start in Hicho no Kamai, but you're using Ichimonji no Kamai, because the Sanden Kamai Right. The three manifestations of one single. Come on. Here are these three manifestations. Right. And then you learn the three and one principle of the three and one, one and three. We've covered that on Whiteboard Wednesday. Yes, I believe. Um, so all these things kind of it's, it's a growth process. Right. It's not like Western academia where you memorize shit, regurgitate it for the test, get your belt and then go about your business. Repeating the same thing over and over and over again ad infinitum, like that's it. Okay, so um, here's here's another way that the you shows that um, uh, the name doesn't matter. Okay, um, there are these foundational movements, and when uh, uh left the Bujinkan and started the Khan, right? Um, he he used this a lot. He used this format a lot. Okay, so uh, to do the left and right to make sure students were doing the same technique, left side, right side, right, um, and then there'd be like a little variation or whatever, right? Um, then what you had was uh, <laughs> sono kata iti, sono kata ni. There's a list of ten of these. The odd numbers are being done with one side, the even numbers are being done with the other side of your body. Okay? Sono kata translates to that thing. Sono kata ichi. That thing, number one. Sono kata ni. That thing, number two. It's the same technique, but done left side, right side. Okay? So, in this case, they're just indicators and markers. But even with the simple examples with Ichimonji, jimonji, Hira, that kind of thing where you're given, right, and in, in my curriculum, right, um, Hira, uh, Hira no Kamai is the full name is Hira Ichimonji no Kamai. There's actually two basic ones that we use. One comes from the Koto school that's in mod five, which is a s- square on version of almost a Hicho like thing because the Koto and Yoko Ryu are complementing opposites. Um, but the one that most people are familiar with comes from the Kukishinden school, right? no right? Flat figure one posture, right? Um, in the Gyoko school, Hich, uh, Shizen is referred to as Hiran no Kamai. Okay. Just flat, open, right? Shizen means natural, right? But again, just things just kind of shift, right? Um, uh, but again, they're just, they, they start out as a simple kind of example, right? Does that mean that we couldn't you, you know, look into it and go, Oh, well, Ichimonji no Kamai or Ichimonji no Kata means here's an example for using Ichimonji no Kamai. Well, yeah. Okay. But it's, it's a simple, it's, it's simple, right? Okay. So here's a Kamai, right? You want to dive in deeper, right? Understand what Ichimonji no Kamai means outside the translation. Okay, hint, it points to the kanji used to write the word Ichi and and what that kanji means aside from the number one. Okay, and the rabbit hole starts to get deeper. Okay, uh, let's see, it can also mean a kata name, right? Could point to something on the body, right? It could point to a target or a crux or a pivotal point um in that in that movement okay like in the koto you show no kata uh kyogi right kyogi uh is in this set of uh techniques that involve a distraction and stuff like that right um so there's this there's this other thing going on right don't think that i'm just you know covering i'm covering kata names but there's other stuff going on right i'm gonna Try to rein myself in, right? So, chōgi, right, is not a substitute for the, the kyūshō called toki, toki, T-O-K-I, right? Toki is your instep, right? It's the center of the, of the, uh, foot bones, right? Um, middle to upper toward where the the ankle bones connect. Right. I'm, I'm moving my hands around here a lot for those of you that are live on video. Um, for those of you who are listening audio only, uh, I try to be mindful to make sure that you guys understand this stuff, too. Right. Um, you're going to have to look up charts. Right. You're going to have to look up um, Koto to u Kyusho charts and things like that. Right. Or uh, Takagi Ocean or whatever, because there's different ones, different lineages. Um, but Kyogi. Right. Is the connection point where your toe bones i mean they're all metatarsals right all finger bones are metacarpals all finger uh, toe and foot bones are metatarsals but right we're, we're going to separate right where the toes plug into the foot okay just like with the fingers plug into the hand right so we, we understand hand fingers right branches right foot toes the junction where the toes plug into the foot is called kyogi, okay? So the kata kyogi points to the fact that you're going to snap that connection, which will cause them to crumble, okay? Now, for all the jack wagons who want to post on my YouTube videos and stuff like that, like, I can't take you seriously because you're not doing stuff at full speed. And, and you're not doing it like, you know, for real. So what you want to see is me snap somebody and break them. Um, interesting. OK. At a certain point, you need to realize that, look, we're going to go through this, but there's some control that's going on. Right. Um, so I could do it, but I can also hold my balance and pull. Right. Um, but OK, so here's this thing. Right. Now, what does that do? Well, if I snap that juncture, his leg muscles disengage, right? And if they don't disengage, they disengage 50 to 70 percent, right? He suddenly shifts because if he doesn't get to his other leg to weight bear quick enough, he will simply collapse to the ground, okay? So the follow-up in Kyogi, right? This hit to a certain point in the body is a follow up, which at this point doesn't matter. Is to knock somebody over who hasn't dropped completely to the ground. Okay, it's it's the next follow up. Um, What I learned a long time ago was that all of our kata are overkill. Okay, there's too many moves because there's a pivotal point where it should knock them out, kill them cause them to drop or whatever. The follow-ups after that, like the Musha Dori or the ganseki throw or whatever, is for when it doesn't. Okay? It's the next follow-up, right? But for people that are collecting kata and just want to do the moves, what are they focused on? Getting from the first move to the last move. When the reality is that kata is teaching you Here's where you begin and every shot should shut them down. And if it doesn't do this next, if that doesn't do this next. Okay. But there's still this implication that if that doesn't work, well, then the fight's going to keep going. Right. And you need to be ready. So there's things to do with your mindset and all that. Again, we've talked about that in other, other episodes. So, um, there's other kata. One is called Ura Kimon, right? Um, the kimon, right, in, in one one of the charts, right, the kimon is this point. And, again, for those of you on audio only, I apologize. I'll, I'll describe it here in just a minute. But for the ones on video, right, it's right here. Find, come, come about mm, two, three fingers up from your nipple, right, apex of the chest, right? This is called the hachi, right? Up, and then find this point. If just by placing your finger there and applying just a little bit of pressure, You will, you should be able to find a hollow, right? And it's irritable or it's irritating really quickly. You don't have to shove hard. Okay. That's your chemo. Okay. And it's actually a point where the phrenic nerve that comes out from out of your brain, behind your ear, down along the carotid pouch, under your clavicle, and then down your chest wall to plug into your uh, diaphragm. It's what makes you breathe or the, makes the diaphragm work on one side. You have a phrenic nerve on the other side as well, just like you have two vagus nerves that come out either side that keeps the pump working, okay? Which is why a shot to Uko is really freaking, it's a kill shot because you're, you're smashing that entire bundle, blood vessels, right? Carotid, jugular, all that kind of stuff up against the, not just the, the vertebrae, but the transverse processes, these bony extensions, right? You can sever things on the inside. You don't even have to cut the person open, right? You're hitting the phrenic nerve. You're hitting the vagus nerve. These are things that make you breathe and your heartbeat and stuff like that, right? So, again, people that want to see things full on or that – I used to do this shit. When, when I first started training and teaching, I, I'm, I am so lucky I didn't kill one of my training partners or my friends or my students, Okay. Because I had this egocentric need to make sure that it worked, I could have fucking killed somebody. Excuse my language. I could have killed somebody, right? You don't you don't screw around with this shit, right? Which is why teachers have a really really um, uh, heavy burden to make sure they don't give this stuff to the wrong person, right? Because it's like handing a gun a loaded gun to a freaking baby, right? So anyway, but urakimon, right? Well, it's pointing to hitting this spot, right? There's also an Uda Kimon, right, reverse Kimon. It's in the back, low in the back, okay? It's hinting at striking at a 30 to 45 degree angle, which all strikes in the Koto to you. Not just the movements are at this angle, right? Not in the angle, right? down through this toward that other point which drives the person down but back and off the, the, where their seat moves back and off their the the heels of their feet right but you're you're stalling the diaphragm right you're making it really difficult for this person to breathe okay anyway so again it could point to something on the body there's there's uh, lots of techniques that are like that um uh wow what's that i was just thinking of uh kasumi dori right kasumi dori catching the haze okay catching the haze has to do with peripheral vision and all that kind of stuff but your temples kasumi okay because you can't see well over here it's at the edge of your peripheral vision right okay kasumi dori is a way to catch that to where he like will move right into it okay uh, it's a Tagagi Yoshin kata, right? Uh, but anyway, right? So um, I know I just covered two at the moment. I have one, two. What do I have? Yeah, just two more. But let's, um, James. Uh, I'm gonna have to flip over here. Uh, any uh, any questions or comments from anybody other than like, um, hi and how are you? And we'll get to those in a minute. But uh, anything from anybody?
1: Uh, The only comment that's come in is from... Oh, shit. Oh, I'm (laughs) sorry. It's from Steven Nordlinger said that Kata is based on Q-Show.
0: Okay. That's a different discussion, and it's a much longer discussion. Q-Show means weak points, of course. Everything that we do attacks a human body's weak points, and we should be guarding our own weak points. Right? So, um, I agree, but that's where I'll stop. Okay? What we're talking about is kata names. So what do they point to? Okay? Um, is that it? That, that was it? That was it for comments, yes. Okay, cool. Alright, so moving on. All right, we're already what um, an hour into into this, so I will not keep you much longer from your appointed rounds, there, citizens. All right, so um, other times, a kata name can point to a concept or an action. Okay, I po- can point to a concept or an action. Okay, uh, the kata koku, the first kata on the first scroll of the gyoko school, all kata on that first level scroll all point back to and are given birth from Koku, right? Now, Koku, depending on how you write the kanji out, um, and we'll talk about one right now, talk about another one later, okay? Um, but Koku uh, translates as uh, false void, okay? False void. Um, and you ha- I kind of have to understand the feeling or the strategy in Koku, Yes, there's a form and there's an irony that's going on here. Okay. The feeling or the strategy in Koku is to find the way. Right. What this is pointing to is that your attacker cannot come at you. Right. Without exposing certain things in certain places. Right. So it's like a dance. Right. If you let them lead. Instead of guessing, assuming or having just running in with your own damn agenda, they'll show you how to kick their ass. OK, the trick is to be adaptable in mind, body and spirit so that you can you can do that. OK. Um, but how do I do that? OK, so here's the irony with Koku means false void. Void is pointing to the idea that this attack. Right. No, no kata is the fight okay the kata and this is a realization that everybody has to come to right but again in the beginning you're given forms to 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 learn things right um i always tell my students right kata should be seen in one of two different ways depending on where you are in your training okay in the beginning kata are seen as expert role models You want to be an expert? Here's how an expert would do it. Okay. Well, how do we know that that's right? Because it's lasted for centuries. Okay. Anything that is a combat art, a true Bujutsu, okay, was tested regularly on the battlefield. That's why things are called battlefield tested. Okay. So if things consistently didn't work on a battlefield, we don't know about them because the people who tried them died. Okay. So, again, one way to look at a is an expert role model. You want to be an expert? You do it this way. Well, I don't like doing that. Well, then, okay. Then I guess you're going to do it your own way and we'll see what happens. Okay. Isn't it amazing how people seek out things that they want to learn, but they're going to gauge whether or not the thing that they're looking at is right. Because they know better. But if you knew better, why the hell would you be trying to learn it? Interesting. Anyway, Um, it's kind of like I want to go learn Hungarian, but a native speaker tells me, um, you know, that I'm mispronouncing something and I get angry at them because, well, how would they know? Gee, I don't know. Um, They've been speaking it their entire lives. Right. Um, Okay. The other way to look at a kata. Is is a bad habit breaker, okay? So what I was taught a long time ago is if you can't do a kata, okay, it's not the kata. The kata has lasted for how many centuries, okay? Things that don't work, don't la- <laughs> they don't last, right? If you can't do the kata, there's something that you're not doing right, no matter how much you think you're doing everything right, okay? Just like life. Life is a reflection of our beliefs values and decisions and actions right it's life shows you you produce the results based on the things that you do the way you think the way you process things the way you plan all that kind of stuff right so if life is shitty or whatever and it's not that life isn't messy it's not that life isn't challenging it's not that these things don't happen right but i'm talking about the overall experience right we design our lives for the power of our choices You want different results, then make different choices. But that's the hard part because the more we do things the same way, the more the neuropathways here, here, muscle memory, all that kind of stuff, right, is entrenched. And you have to do the new thing long enough so that the brain and the body adapt to the new conditions. Well, it doesn't feel right. Well, no shit. But it's not about whether it's right or not, because that's the wrong terminology. It's not about it doesn't feel right. It's that doesn't feel normal to me because of my habit patterns. Of course, it's going to feel odd. Of course, it's going to feel like it's not me. Because I'm wired for something different. But if that different isn't producing the results I want, then I have to start doing the things that will produce those. And that's going to feel that's going to be challenging. It's going to feel uncoordinated. It's going to feel like it's taking longer than, it, than it normally would. And all, and it's just, but I got to do it long enough. So that the brain and the body break the old connections. It's like AT&T or whatever your local uh, communication, telecommunications, cable, telephone, whatever service comes in and disconnects wires and runs new wires. It's just, we're, we're, we're no different, right? It's, we can't, we can't be talking about learning an art that involves nature, but resisting nature at every turn. But that's human nature. Go figure, right? Again, irony, right? So anyway, Goku, right? Um, Yokto, right? Again, the feeling in Yokto, that's the first kata on the first scroll in the Shoden, or in the, in the Koto school, right? Um, has the same feeling of, um, of, uh, same strategy as Koku in the Gyoko school, because they're mirror images, the same guy organized, uh, these two schools out of the same body of material, right? And so the beginning of one school is the end of the other school. It's like a yin-yang kind of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, yokto means to scoop up and throw. Okay. So what is it that I'm doing, right? Am I, where's the throw, right? Cause there's no, what most people would think of as throw right in in Yokto. okay what it you have to go back to a core combat strategy of the koto school which is to be able to set things up in a way that you can take somebody down with one finger right so you're literally breaking multiple lines and attacking multiple lines at the same time to get this guy literally to be not only up but off in a way that when you come in with that final that that it's a shakouken to the, to the face. I think it's to the face, right? Yeah, this way, shoves him. And it's the way the, the, the skull is attacked and all that kind of stuff, right? That just literally tosses the guy away from you. That's right, some kind of a weird sound over here. Not sure what that was. Anyway, all right, so, um, uh, and then the, this kind of brings us to this this uh, kata we were working on last week from the Shinden Futoyu. It's called uh, kuromo Geis, right? Turning over the koromos. Okay, what the hell's a kodomo? Well, during that class, I didn't tell them. Okay, but what I was doing and again, uh, if you are uh, on audio only, what I'm doing is I'm holding my arm out. Right. We know how the elbow flexes. Right. It's a hinge joint. Okay, but what we're doing in that, right, is locking the elbow and then attacking it across that line. Right. So look at the crook of your elbow and look at that line at the fold. Right? That's the, that's the direction we're going. Okay? So, what we have to do is get the arm level, right? Or, or, uh, where the palm is parallel to the floor, right? Um, actually all the way over, right? So, we're gonna whip that all the way over. So, the arm is, the hand is thumb down and the, um, the elbow joints, right? The, the, uh, hoshi, right? Omote and ura hoshi, right? are almost parallel to the ground. Okay. Because we're going to go through the elbow joint sideways. Okay. But what I, what I did was I told students, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what this means because it's going to distract your mind. You're going to end up just being all over the place. Okay. Coromo means garment or clothing. Okay. So we're grabbing the sleeve of their kimono or whatever right well it would be a koromo right we're grabbing the, the the sleeve or the the cloth of their clothing in a way that causes it to choke at the at the at the elbow and lock that up and we're yanking it over the top right but the way i move my arm and the way i move that is attacking the elbow in a certain angle right that makes it Roll the shoulder around, and then there's this really cool throw, right? And here's the way I learned it, right? Because if people don't know what they're looking at, what that means is they're more likely to guess, right? What they'll do, and I've heard lots of people do this, right? They'll go, well, you get the arm over, and you and you then you do a muso dori, but you're going to throw them with a muso dori, right? my teacher was very, very specific. Okay. This came out of his Seneza's dojo. Okay. Very specific. Right? This looks like Musodori, but it's not Musodori. Okay. So again, we have to figure out what it is, right? But if I if I tell somebody, Kuromo Gaish, right, what we're doing is we're turning over the sleeve. If somebody's not paying attention, to how we're working that grab, right? Because there's an initial attack at the elbow. And what we were, oh, James, you remember that, right? I do. John Golem, right? I mean, he went home, his elbow was (laughs) torn up because I literally like I'm putting my hand right there and then forming a Shikon Ken and attacking with the primary and secondary knuckles, right? Into all those Pressure points at the, uh, at the at the elbow joint, but that's what's getting him locked up. But that hand, by doing it that way, right, by grabbing it like this, you can see that that's how you're grabbing the clothing, right? So I'm getting a hold of that, bunching up the clothing so it bites. The clothing attacks his elbow, and I'm creating a little bit of pain compliance, right? So mm-hmm. he wants to lock it in there, and then. I'm attacking the side of the joint because our joints are designed to be strong on the primary lines of movement, right? That's why um, like your, your hinge joints, your elbows and knees are the strongest joints you have because they only move in two directions, right? In and out, right? Closed and open. Okay. Next strongest are your ball and socket joints, your hips and your shoulders, right? Again, way greater range of motion but not the same as your universal joints, your wrists, and your ankles, right? So the greater the range of motion, that's your benefit, but you're also giving up strength for range of motion okay um, the the less range right, then the stronger the joint's gonna be, right, so an elbow joint, an elbow, and the the person's arm right they're gonna be stronger. With that open and close kind of action, because that's that's where all the muscles line up. And that's how it's designed. Right. So in Konomo guys, we're attacking the elbow sideways. It's not designed to be strong that way. Right. It's not designed to take a lot of lateral pressure, just like the knees. Right. Uh, blow somebody's knee out sideways because the meniscus and a couple of connective tissue or uh, connective pieces are the only things that are holding the damn knees from going sideways. Right. They're built to go front and back, open and close, just like a door. OK, so but again, the reason why I didn't give them the name was. Okay, but Kodomo right. Turning over their clothing. Right. It's pointing to we're using their clothing. To attack the body part. Right. Like uh, Eri Jime. Right. Um, there's uh, versions of that where it's not your forearm you're using. Right. You're you're attacking with the. With their clothing. Right. The eddy, the the lapel. Right. Right. Um, anyway. Right. So and then um, last one I have for you. And again, you know, there could be other ones, but these are just the ones that I wanted to toss out here because we have limited time. Right. Um, the kata name can point to an external reference as a hint or a key. OK. Um, for instance, in the Kukishinden school, there's a kata called Saka Nagare. Right. Saka Nagare. Um, if you know what Saka means, right? Saka is a, is a bank, right? Like a slope, right? Okay. Um, Osaka, the city Osaka, right? Osaka means big bank or big slope, right? Because it's built on a hill, right? There's a cliff there, right? So, um, the idea with Saka Nagare, Nagare means flow, right? So, flowing bank. Hmm. What is that, right? Well, the feeling in Saka Nagare is you're taking the person for a ride, okay? So you get them in motion or you let them, you're catching that motion, right? You cause a, a moment of unbalance, and while they're, like, stumbling to try to catch that and whatnot, you redirect it, okay? Um, it's it's an idea of guiding where they're already going, Okay. Gansakinage is like that. Right. Gansakinage means throwing a big rock or throwing a boulder. Right. You don't freaking pick up a damn boulder. Right. And just and just heave it. Right. So how would you do that? Right. Uh, and I, again, my students always get this this initial reference point. Right. Like, uh, you know, could be maybe they're not rocks. Right. But there's something big and heavy. Right. So we're, we're unloading a truck. Of these things could be melons could be could be rocks I mean we might be making a, uh, a rock lined walkway or whatever right and we need to get these rocks off this truck to this pile and then we'll move that one somewhere else so just this one phase, mm-hmm. right so um, maybe somebody just you know they just move this to the edge right so I'm gonna take this right keep it close to my body and then redirect, because it's easier, it's going to be easier on me, right, the hard part is holding this thing, and then trying to walk around, and then walk over to this thing, and then drop it, right, but if they could hand it to me, right, and I could take it, and then kind of step out of the way, right, because gravity's got it, and all that stuff, and pass it on to the next guy, or move it, and then let it just fall on that thing, if I can let gravity, and whatever forces are happening, where I take it and shift myself in a way that I'm not doing all this work, right? Because it'll wear me out quickly. Okay. So the idea is catching this person and 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 sending them on their way, right? Creating kind of a leverage moment, um, but not bearing all the weight, not not using a bunch of force, right? Uh, there's another kata uh, called Hibari, right? Uh, the kata, this person comes into attack, right? And you kind of hop down and slam into the the bones of their foot, and then hop up, right? You, you kind of, it's kind of this weird movement, right? You hop down and attack, right? The bones of the foot. It's a it's a mutodori technique. Hit the bones of the foot, right? Which causes them to right this kind of thing, right? Uh, arms to kind of flail and whatnot, and then you come up with your shoulder underneath the arm, turn and throw them, okay? Um, Hibati itself, I mean, there's not a good translation because Hibati is a type of Japanese field bird, right? Uh, it's a name of one of these birds, right? But what what the kata is pointing to is how this bird takes flight. And what it does is it either runs or it just hops or whatever. What it does is it hops, squats, and then leaps, launches itself into the air. That's how it takes flight, okay? Just like a fly, right? We can, if you had a kind of movement that would work this way, right? And you understood how flies work, right? Um, it's how you catch a fly, right? Most people come in a fly from the front, right? Which is why they have a hell of a time catching a fly, Okay flies leap backwards to get air under their wings and then they take off forward. So if you come in to catch a fly from behind and you come in toward its tail, right. And then scoop up, right. You can get really good at catching flies. Okay. Because what you're understanding, the understanding is around how, right. Takamasa sensei used to talk about this. Um there's there's references in Tagagi Yoshin, I think, could be Shinden Fudo, about um Mutodori, right, and catching a blade, and you're catching it like you would catch a bee. Right? If you catch a bee full on, like I would catch a fly, right, you're gonna get stung, okay, because it's too aggressive. What you wanna do is close in so that it gets dark, but there's lots of space and the bee doesn't feel threatened. And so you don't get stung. It's the same thing. But it's not that's not how I'm catching a sword. I'm catching a sword by understanding the nature of the sword. And back in the day. Right. Only ninjato were sharpened from boshi to handguard. Right. To tsuka. uh, Tsupa. Sorry. Tsupa. Um, Samurai swords were only sharpened a third to maybe half the way. Right? That's why Shuko work. That's why uh, Edokopo and Shobo, things like that work to catch a blade. I mean, if it was sharpened the entire way, they would just cleave right through it. right? But understanding the nature of the blade, right? how it cuts, where the dangerous parts are, the leverage, right? that most of the leverage is out at the Boshi. I want to catch as close to the Tsuba, right? the handguard as possible. If possible, I want to catch his hands. So the leverage works against him, that kind of thing, right? Um, Anyway, so, but the name can point to uh, an external reference or a hint, okay? Just like the names of the schools, right? koto knocking down the tiger, okay? What the hell does that mean, right? Well, then you mix that with the primary combat strategy, which is to be able to put the guy down with one finger, Right? You have to be, your, your positioning has to be dead on, right? It's not that you're going to put him down with one finger, but you're in the best place, right? Your power line lined up with his balance line, that kind of thing, right? Okay. So the whole idea with the knocking down the tiger, right, is you have to know where the, where the weak point is, right? As, uh, one listener mentioned about based on Q show, right? You have to know where they are and go directly there okay in the gyoko school right um, gyoko means jade or jeweled tiger right well now you have to go all the way back to china and understand that anything that's given a jeweled or jade reference jewel or jade sky whatever right what you're talking about is the essential nature of that thing so what is the essential nature of a tiger multifaceted. Right. Interesting. Right. So um, anyway. All right. So questions before I move on. Let's see. uh, Yeah. uh, I just got a little bit more here to finish up uh, because we have to talk about, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't mean anything. Right. But we'll talk about that. So anyway. um, James, any questions, comments, whatever. No, sir. Awesome. All right, well, hopefully this is helpful, right? If this is helpful to anybody, if there was an aha moment or you got even a little bit out of this, um, you know, type something in. Let us know you're still breathing and that we didn't put everybody to sleep. Well, I say we because, like, James is on now. But anyway, um, can anybody think of an uh, a kata, uh name that you're making that connection now with that I didn't mention? Not that we don't have nine schools and each school has at least four scrolls and each scroll has anywhere between five and uh well, I take that back. Tobakude school might have only three examples in certain areas, but we'll call it three to twenty three Kata on each scroll. And that's not counting weapon scrolls, that's not counting any of that stuff, that's just calling counting uh Shodan, Chuden, Okuden, uh Hiden or whatever names they might give them, Jodiakou, Chudiakou, Gediakou, whatever. Anything? Yes? No? Maybe? Well, Murph- Jeopardy, The Jeopardy timer song? <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, Rob Murphy put, yes, Kata is important. It is the basis of all things. Well, and, at a uh, certain point in your training. And Stephen Norlinger put Chinese butterfly swords were not, were also not sharpened all the way to the hilt.
0: Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cause you got, yeah, you that know, they understood, you know, leverage and, you know, where, where's the, where's the, the greatest amount of uh, uh, power and stuff. Right. Just like when I have you guys working on staff, whether it's Hanbo or bow or whatever, right. There's a certain, you know, the fir- like the first inch to three inches is where you want to, you know, aim for impact, right? The farther down the staff you go, the more you risk that torque and pressure snapping your own staff. But even though you're hitting the person, it's not going to have the same kind of impact. The closer you get to the end leverage, thats that's where bad stuff happens, right? I mean, not for you, for them, right? Awesome. Okay. So let me get back to my notes here. Okay. So um, what did I put down here? So at this point in both my training and uh, my teaching career, I would say that this all points to the ha part of the Shuhadi framework, right? The stage uh, ha in this case means to break, right? Um, Where you're working with the principles and concepts but um, the principles and concepts part of your development, where you come to a better understanding about the about true henka, right? Henka variation, right? Which is not the same as doing whatever you want, right? Um, so in the beginning, you learn the model because you need to know it because all lessons are going to come from that, right? I love it when people come in. I mean, I've, I've heard like retired Navy SEALs, right? Talk about oh yeah, these these techniques and these kata and stuff like that. Um, they wouldn't work in a real fight. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to do those moves. You're absolutely right. Okay. That's not the purpose of kata. Okay. Kata are like the delivery truck bringing the, the, the bed or the furniture or whatever that you bought at the store to your house. But it's not going to drive through your damn fricking front door and park in the living room or the bedroom or whatever open up the back and then you're just going to leave the stuff in there. And that's how you're going to live from now on with a truck in your living room, but the couch and the TV and all that shit still in the truck. It's a delivery method, right? It comes to your house, but there's a different process to get the stuff in the door to the rooms where they're going to go. And then there's a different thinking process based on a vision or utility or necessity or whatever, as to how those things are going to be positioned relative to each other for actual day-to-day use and convenience, right? It's no different, okay? Kata have their place, right? So anyway, so at this stage, right, once you know them, right, then what you start doing is looking at, meaning strategy um, as you continue to progress up right you stop playing with the kata so much as like one, one way that you can create henka off of kata is the same thing it's used in language study uh, like in language uh, i could do let's say i'm working on my korean again right and so let's say i'm, I'm doing a word substitution right so i use a base sentence and then The word substitution drills i'm going to do today have to do with subject and object right so the nouns in the in the sentence right so you know uh maybe i'm again i'm just going to use english but maybe i'm saying you know uh where is the chair right oh there's the chair okay so um instead of chair right i'm going to sub i'm going to switch that out to uh where's the bookshelf uh there's the bookshelf right where are the books? Ah, oh, there are the books. And again, it could be Korean, it could be Japanese, whatever, right? But what I'm doing is I'm I'm working my vocabulary, but doing word substitution, right? Essentially, I'm doing the same thing. No, you're not. At first, you were looking for the chair, and then you were looking for the bookshelf, and then you were looking for the books. That's not what I'm talking about, right? To the beginner, yeah, it's about the chair, the bookshelf, and the books, right? To the person who understands the purpose of the drill. I'm playing around with the concept of uh, locating and identifying where. There's a feeling that we put words to that is a seeking, searching mindset. Where is that? Right? There's a certain thing about that, right? So if I were working Japanese, um, instead of saying where, I would say doko. What most people do, right, they make cue cards or they have a book or they have a list or whatever they do, right, and they're trying to memorize with cold intellect, okay, doko is where, soko is there, koko is here, whatever, right? But there's an emotive experiential part to that because I don't walk up to somebody and go, where's the chair? Just very blankly, right? Because I might not use the word where. I might say, hey, James, have you seen the chair? Right? I'm looking for the chair, right? I didn't even use the word where. But it's the same thing. The mindset is trying to find this damn thing, right? Have you seen my notebook? Have you seen my belt? If you see whatever, right? I'm I'm in this seeking thing that where means. Where is it? And then when I see it, oh, there it is. OK, there's this aha moment. There's this recognition, this identification. Right. So after I learn where and there. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to even if I can see the chair right in front of me, I'm going to go. Where's the chair? Ah, oh, there's the chair. Right. So now I'm going to do it in Japanese. OK. Chihuahua. let Ah, with this. Okay. Where are the books? Ah, so this. Okay, I put that experience back in because I have to mimic the seeking mind and the recognition identification mind. Okay? That's putting life into the into the, the learning process. Okay. That's why we use, like, the uh, the godai elements that a lot of people don't like using because that's not, that's not how it's done. Whatever. Well, it's an expedient, and it was done that way for a long time, right? Um, it just got out of hand by some people, so uh, Hatsumi Sensei stopped doing it, right? A bunch of people stop And, again, that goes back to that uh, when people get involved in things, they think that the way they the way it is when they get involved is the way it's always been. Okay? Uh, No. Okay. So but anyway. Right. um, So in this high level. Right. It's the experience. Right. What if when he threw that punch and whatnot. Right. And and I'm doing one of these like bladed defensive covering kind of come I instead of. Doing this kind of thing. Right. What if I create like an oh shit moment kind of thing. Right. And recognize that target open up. Right or I play around with this. If I hit it this way, does it move that target closer to me? If I hit it this way, oh, that doesn't. Right, that knocks in sideways and moves the target away from me. So now I'm gonna have to chase it. Right, what what do I do that brings it this way? What's the timing? Right, when I strike this, what's the timing I have to strike it at so it stalls the next freaking punch or kick that he's gonna want to do naturally? How do I use the counter striker the uke Not just as a way to open a window, but to stall the next thing so that I can move in there. Am I checking my weight distribution, my balance, all that kind of stuff, so I can move quickly enough to get in there when the opportunity presents itself? Those kind of things, right? So that's all part of shoe into ha. And then the ha part is now we start doing substitutions, right? Ichimonji no kata, I do this Okay, the guy's this way, I can move with omote shuto to the left side of his neck if I'm striking with my right hand, but what if he doesn't move, what if he drops his jaw and closes that side off, well if he drops this one, then he opens up the other side, so in mid strike I can bring it over and do an uroshuto to the opposite side of his neck, right, or I can come straight in, you know, freaking giving him that That red mark on his face that looks like he was drunk in the drunk tank at the prison all night long with his face leaning up against the bar, right? So, whatever, I can come in and strike down on the head. I can swap out the the Shto for a Shikan Ken, right? A chisel fist or an elbow or a stomp kick or whatever, right? But what it was pointing to is the kotsu, the essential nature of the technique, right? I'm opening him up. Right. While closing off all my targets, I'm opening up his and then I'm coming in in a way that if I understand ichimonji no Kata, if I understand the Sanden Kata, I am there's a circle. It's kind of like a sumo ring, but it's smaller around his body. Right. There's an orbit. There's a space. And I'm knocking him out of that space. Right. Um, Either way. Right. Right. so there's this ha right this this where we start working variation right um but now we need to understand those kind of things later on the variations will be less about the kata like i'm going to purposefully change the kata and what i'm going to do is i'm going to make it situational right how do i do ichimon no kata at different angles between two part cars or where the front and rear fenders of of cars in a parking lot would be position where you got that plus sign kind of thing, right? How do I need to maneuver so I can, I can do this thing, but I do it in a way that he doesn't stumble back, catch himself against a vehicle and come back into the fight, right? How do I drop him straight down? How do I move him in on a certain direction, right? Um, What if I'm on a stairwell? What if I'm in a small room or a rest stop lavatory, whatever, right? And again, so now I'm looking at each no Kata and I'm trying to find its break point. Under what conditions or circumstances is this no longer a good option? Right. I dropped the baby mind that this is going to work all the time because like it's a ninjutsu, and I it has to work all the time because my ego needs it to work all the time because I believe in it so much that it's going to. Uh, yeah. OK. Right. So in certain conditions which kata then are better options, which kata are or which variations uh, work better, things like that, right? So we develop um, uh, a discerning mind, right? What's really right and wrong, what's appropriate and inappropriate for any given moment, right? We drop style, okay? And then again, that keeps us moving, right? Um, until we run into the the stage, right, the transcendent kind of stage, which I'll talk about in a minute. Right. So um, we, we've talked, I've talked all this time about why and why a name might matter at a certain point in your training. Right. Uh, but here's a reason they may not matter. OK. Uh, quick story. Right. Um, uh, Shoshi Malmstrom, Bud Malmstrom, for anybody who, who knows him or just to train with him or whatever. Right. Um, and this could work in the shoe stage. But it's also at this level here, right? Um, somebody would uh, you know, forget the name of a kata or whatever, and Pub would go, I don't care if you call it Bubba or Bobby Sue or Billy Jane or I don't care. As long as we're all on the same page, working on the same thing, or the action is right, I don't give a shit what you call it. Okay. Because he was trying to get people to break their dependency on that. Okay. So but here's the other thing, right? Some kata could just be names. And some could be distractions. Right? Again, people want to learn all the moves. But the history stuff bores them. The philosophy stuff bores them. Or they'll learn stuff, little tidbits, just enough that they can impress other people with it. Okay? But how does it fit in? Right. How does it improve your ability? Because memorizing facts and regurgitating them, but you're not using them for anything else other than impressing people. That means shit. Okay, Anybody can do that. Okay, And besides that, we all have these now. Right. You don't need to memorize a bunch of stuff. You got a supercomputer. Right. Based on what landed things on the moon 50 years ago. Shit. You get a supercomputer in the palm of your hand. So anybody looks around and goes, well, I didn't know. Well, they're a freaking moron if they have one of these in their hands. Because if they're willing to look up cheat codes for a damn video game, right, there's nothing they can't find. Okay? Anyway, right. So um sometimes they're just names, right, like the Sonokata Ichi, Sonokata. What that's telling you is, look, this we weren't jumping through hoops and loops to come up with names, right? Here's a model. Here's the opposite sides model. Here's a model. Here's the opposite sides model. Stop worrying about friggin' names, okay? If you can't do these, no name's going to help, okay? It's just like weapons, right? No weapon will ever make up for shitty taijutsu, ever, okay? Going faster and stronger doesn't make a, a technique that's wrong, right? It makes it wrong, faster and stronger, okay? So anyway, um, in Hatsumi Sate's book, the first book that came out in English, uh, to History and Tradition, right? Uh, there's in the technique section, he has a translation for ko, uh, Koku. I think it's there. Yeah, Koku, right? It's Tiger Sky, right? Koku, Tiger Sky, not False Void. I learned it as False Void. Right. It's in there as Tiger Sky. Right. And in another section, I don't know if it's in the same book because these things are getting a little hazy after all these years of training. Right. Um, but there's a reference to Koku or no Demon Crusher beats Tiger Sky. The hell does that mean? Well, we know Demon Crusher, Onikudaki. Ah, see, if you don't know. The te- the action that goes with the name, then you can't use the you can't use the code, right? And it's much easier for me to tell students in class, right? We're doing an oni right? Because a lot of students don't want to learn the Japanese; it's too difficult, and I can understand that because they butcher the shit out of English, right? But it's a whole lot easier for me to say do ichimonji no Kata, than to say you're going to do that technique where he throws a straight punch. You're going to go back into that defensive kamai where your where your hands at your elbow, right? And you can do that swatting counter-strike, and then you're going to come in with a palm up. Not, Jesus, cry me. Just do Ichimonji no Kata. Onikudaki, right? Okay, you know that one where you position their bent arm, uh, where the elbow's straight out from the the shoulder, and then you torque it like a Model T crank, right, um, like you're starting a motor on an old Model T uh, to to dislocate the shoulder? Yeah, how about if we just say Onikudaki, okay, or Dori, right? Um we could say, well it's an uplifting, elbow leveraging, shoulder dislocation. Or we could just learn that it's Musha Dori. Okay. So but here's this thing, right? Onikudaki beats Tiger Sky. The how does that mean? Okay? Just like calling something Tiger Sky or calling something um uh moon in uh moon reflected in, in bowl or um calling something by a name right that was made up as an identifier for a body part that we're going to hit or attack or whatever right unless you have the code right it was it was done in part right so if somebody stole the scrolls they couldn't translate anything so here's the cool thing that this is what i think is funny people will get something that's written out in the foreign language but was written out based on concepts and reference points and things like that hundreds of years ago, so much so that the modern people in that culture can't translate it. And we, from a different culture, different language, different reference points, think that we can look at that and guess our way through it and know exactly what they're talking about. But the scrolls were written, and the technique names often were given, so that nobody could do that in their mother tongue, let alone in a foreign language. Interesting, right? So, again, points to the historical reality where secrets were coded, right? So, again, if somebody stole the dencho, right, that was the list of of techniques, right? If you don't have the makimono as well as the dencho, and even if you do, holy crap, right? Um, you're just not going to – if you don't have the knowledge – and understanding behind the techniques, that's why a lot of people, when they do the kata from the nine schools, they all look the same. Okay, I know the moves are different, but they all look the same because they don't know that the gyoko to use uh, uh, system of, of movement and combat is based on circling behind the attacker. It's based on orbiting around one of three different um, uh, center points in that in that clash. They don't understand that koto u is different. It's based on linear movement. That's angular out and back in, including the strikes. They don't understand. You get the idea, right? They they don't get it. So everything tends to look the same. So they they couldn't do a gyokudu technique, so that it looks like a gyokudu technique, and not like it could be a koto shinden kishinden kumogakure hybrid. Whatever. Right. Um, But again, without the knowledge and understanding. Behind that technique in that lineage. Right. In the advanced levels in the Bujinkan, you're supposed to know all nine schools and, and how the technique works so that you can then pull a kata from any school. And then start working on them so that you could do all those kata. Let's say I pulled the Kotoriyu kata in, so now I can do Kotoriyu kata as Kotoriyu. But because I understand the principles and concepts and movement and, and primary combat principles and all that from the other eight, now Kotoriyu takes center, and now I'm going to work all the Kotoriyu kata with Gyoko principles, with Tagagi Yoshin principles, with Shinden Fudo principles, with Gikan principles, that kind of thing. I mean, can you imagine how deep that goes? Holy shit. I haven't even I haven't even worked on that as much as I should. Which I don't know. No, I've, I've been focusing on students. So but at some point I need to get somebody to a stage where I can work on me again. OK, so um, much to like my, what do I have here? Much like today where people have caught the list so they can feel cool. Right. Like they're somehow in the know or whatever. Um, but it's more like stamper coin collecting, right? Because this gets them stuck in the shoe stage, if that, right? But remember that the re stage, re means to transcend. It's to go beyond forms, right? So Hatsumi Sensei has always said, right? And people, people, way before they were ready to do that, right? They hear it or read it in a book or see it in a video or whatever, right? And Hatsumi Sensei said, no, 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 forget the forms, right? Uh, forget kata, right? He's talking to upper, upper level people, right? I have two questions. One, how do you forget something you've never learned? And two, even if you forget it, what are you forgetting? You're dropping the names. You're just becoming pure action. But way too many people, it just became easy, right? I don't have to, I don't have to learn the kata now because, uh, you know, that's how I said, forget the, forget the names, uh, forget the kata. He wasn't talking to you. Okay. Just like if he tells somebody to take bigger steps, right? And you go, but, 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 but sensei told me to take smaller steps. So it's smaller steps. No, he told you to take smaller steps because your steps were too big. Told that guy to take bigger steps because his steps were too small. Right? But see, ego wants things to be on or off or whatever, right? Okay. So this is in our Mikyo as well, right? It's going beyond, right? This transcendence, right? So we start with the realm of form, right? That which we can see, right? As a child, right? You point at things and you say something, and mom goes, you know, you point at something and you go, tree, mom goes, No, that's a chair. Say chair, chair. Okay. You point something else, you know, chair. No, no, that's a fan. Say fan, fan, right? And you learn the difference between these, but then, you know, somebody shows you something and they go, hey, you know, go sit in that chair over there. And you're looking around and you can't see it because it doesn't look like the chairs that mom taught you were chairs, okay? That's not a chair, that's a sofa, right? Okay, it's a seat, have a seat, okay? Okay. So we go around cataloging all this stuff, but then we start to understand, right, Um, that chairs or seats can come in many different forms. Right. So then we enter the realm of what's known as no form. OK, it doesn't mean that something doesn't have a form. It means that you're not stuck on only one form, one way to see things, one way to do things. Right. There are many languages on this planet there, are, you know different personality types, all that kind of stuff, right? There's people that can think and and process things and they work a different system and they get the result they're looking for, but they're using different tools or the tools have different shapes or whatever. What do kids say when they see the difference? They go, that's weird. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. It's because you only got one way to look at it. This is the same as adults that fight over style, right? Because they can't see the difference and they can't see the similarities. Right? They can see the difference, but that's all they're looking at. Right. So when we move into the realm of no form. Right. So now we have many shapes. Right. Um, So that things start to loosen up. Right. So we we get it that, you know, it's a seat. Right. It's It's a place that I sit down, not lay down. Right. So it could be a sofa, could be a love seat, could be a rocking chair, could be an easy chair, could be the chair around the dining room table, right? It could be the bench at the at the picnic table, whatever. It's a seat, right? Could be an ottoman, could be a, a beanbag chair or one of these crazy looking swish kind of thing. I think they look like Nike swishes from the side, but it's like gaming chairs that are little rocker kind of things or whatever, right? They come in different forms, right? So there's really no, it's not that there's no form, it's that there's no concrete set one way to do it right and then finally we enter the realm of the formless. okay this is where creative adaptation lives but it's creative adaptation while retaining the essential nature of the thing kotsu right if you've ever been in a garage or in a work area or whatever right and it was break time right And you grabbed a bucket that had a lid on it, or either flipped it upside down or slid it under you and had a seat, right? That's a bucket. We know what buckets are. There's lots of different forms of buckets, except we just very creatively made a seat, or we were out chopping wood, or we were out in the woods or whatever, right? Needed a rest and we sat down on a on a stump, right? Sheared off tree, cut log, whatever, right? We sat down on a log. We sat whatever, right? We use something expediently as a seat, as a chair substitute, right? Um that is the realm of the formless. It's where it's the realm of the kotsu, the essential nature, right? But again, we have to start somewhere. So at one level, at the shoe stage of copy, right? Preserve, you do it exactly this way because nothing else matters if you can't do the kata. Okay? But if you get stuck there. Right. Like this is now sacrosanct, right? You can't change this. You can't mess with it. This is our style. This is official. This is what sets us apart from everybody else. That's like kids running around, you know, not letting anybody sit in the chair in the corner because grandpa was sitting there and he got up to go to the bathroom and the kid went to crawl up on the chair. And mom said, no, 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 you can't sit there. That's grandpa's chair. So for the rest of the frickin' family gathering, the kids running around chasing people out of the chair, cause that's grandpa's chair. Cause the, no, cause no, it was an experience, that's where grandpa sit. It's too much for that brain, right? Eventually you get it, right? That's where grandpa was sitting out of respect. We're going to blah, 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 right? Not, not that mind, right? Child mind, right? And if you're in Mikyo, right? Um, uh We'll get there at some point. Right. But there's 10 levels of mind. Right. Starting with the uh the animal or goat like mind and then the child mind and then there's eight more. But it's all based on transcendence. Right. You don't take a test to get there. Right. Um But anyway, that is what I have. So does it matter? Does it mat- not matter? Depends on where you are. Right. And does it serve you? OK, properly for skill proficiency and and understanding and stuff like that, not just memorization so we can go, like, impress everybody else. Right. Anyway, let me flip back over here. James, 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 did I put you to sleep? I didn't hear you snort. Well, you muted yourself so you could you could have snored. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Questions, comments. Do you have anything to throw on top of this? Do I know? No.
1: No, I, I have to get the kata before I can worry about you know worry about doing it right first before I Yeah. Worry about the
0: names. But uh nobody punches like that in a fight, right? I wouldn't do it like that. We're not defending against you and nobody gives a shit, right? Okay. <laughs> why 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 do we start people off with ski, right? Doing that long range punch that nobody in practically in the Western world does except us. Why do we do it? Because it creates a single line, and it gives you an easy reference point. Right? If you're going to do it off of jabs and hooks, when people go, "Well, that wouldn't work against that that kata wouldn't work against a jab or a right cross or whatever," yes, it would. But you have to understand angling and timing and distancing first, and not just step by step rote movement. Okay? The kata, the way you're doing it, and the way we're giving it to you, yeah, because you're not ready for that yet. That's like people that go, well, like, what if there's like three guys jumping you? Well, you can't do one yet. So what the hell are you worried about three? Well, what if he's got a gun? You can't do it unarmed yet. So what the hell does it matter? Right? So for for some people, it's arrogance, right? So they're running around trying to shut it down out of fear or whatever it is, right? Um, narcissism, right? You know? Um, and for other people, it's they don't want to give up on their way or they're close minded or whatever. Right. I, I what I tell you guys at a certain level, start stop surfing YouTube to get validation for the shit that you're doing and start looking at what everybody else is doing. Not necessarily because you're going to go and do it their way, but you need to see what at, at the very least you need to see what other people are doing and what could possibly come at you. So before you just run around and just ad hoc talk about how other people's stuff is stupid and yours is the best. Well, you think yours is the best because ego's got a hold of it. Right. OK. Um But you need to know what could come at you. Right. And then looking at things, you'll start to see, oh, shit, we do the same thing. But they call it that and we call it this. But it's the same because there's only so many things you can do to a human body, with a human body, whatever. Right. There's there's going to be this maturation there's going to be this maturing to where eventually you even drop the name of what you do because it's just integrated and you just you know back in the back in the very very early 80s I'm talking like 1980 81 the goal of the training was to end up developing your own style but it wasn't because you sat down to create a style it was because Your experience and your height and age and 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 life experiences and and, you know, how what circumstances you could find yourself in and all that. Right. My security guys, my law enforcement, my military guys and all that. Right. They have a different imperative need to learn this stuff to a certain degree than the guy that's just trying to earn a black belt. Okay, they couldn't give one crack ass less about a black belt what they need to do is learn some other things and other strategies that are different from the way most people fight at least on the enemy side so they don't die I don't give a shit what's what it's called either right which is really funny right because the people that flame me right have little to no subscribers they have no videos to show that they actually know what they're talking about right um They want to tell me how their friend's second cousin worked at a convenience store and got attacked by a guy with a knife and couldn't do anything to save himself without telling me if the guy had any training, anything like that, right? Meanwhile, I got guys from special ops, you know, Homeland Security and all that stuff, right? I mean, one of them set up a Zoom meeting with me just to, you know, discuss things and and say thanks for doing what you do. All these guys are like, man, just keep it coming. Right. We need stuff like this because they need to think at the strategic and tactical level, not at the where do I put my foot level. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're already way past that as well. Right. So anyway. I'm not here to knock anybody. This is this is this is about, you know, could the names be useful? Sometimes. Depends. Where are you? Okay, what are you going to use it for? Everything's useful for something. Even shit. Okay. If you're going to use it as fertilizer, it's freaking great. If you're going to use it as deodorant, I highly don't recommend it. But I guess it depends on whether or not you're trying to attract flies and and other people that, you know, don't bathe and whatnot, in which case it's probably going to work well. Okay. so anyway. What do we got? Questions, comments, complaints. Ooh.
1: So Rob Murphy says, so if I understand the kata should be practiced and mastered and then the work learned transfers to all the other moves like leverage and angles, things like that.
0: Well, you're going to be learning leverage and angles and stuff as a part of the kata. It was a part of the form of the example. Um, you need to understand those before you can actually try to do variations. A lot of people call things variations because they can't do the damn kata, and they screwed it up, and then they just jump on it and do something else and put the guy down. But a true henka, a true variation, gets is a variation because it's doing the same thing that the that the kata with that name is doing, even though you you substituted a, a strike for a throw or whatever. Your the, the end result is still the same. Um, let's see read the question one more time because I had something and I want to make sure I, I'm in the right place uh,
1: understand the cottage should be practiced and mastered and then the work learned transfers to all the other moves like leverage and angles things like that
0: yes but let's drop the word master because that can be elusive right or it can be egotistical my goal for my students Is the same thing I was given. You learn the form and you do it slowly, step by step. And then you keep, keep picking up speed, right? Until solo, you can do the technique eight out of 10 times at 80% full speed without losing your balance, tripping, whatever, right? And then you do the same thing with a partner. You start slowly, right? And you work until 8 out of 10 times, you get that technique right, and you work it all the way up until you're at least able to do it at 80% full speed. Oh, and those that, that's based on his attack speed, not him going slow, you going twice his speed, right? The goal is always 80%. Okay. You know, we're going to do it 80%. We're going to move the goalpost (laughs) (laughs) or we're going to change the circumstances so that you have to make sure that you're not cheating the moves. You know what I mean by that? We we do that exercise with the kicking, right? Mm -hmm. I want people to do a a front stomp kick. And so we have, let's say we have the the standing and the stepping version. So the standing version is you, you whip the leg up, you kick, and then you put it right back where it came from. Most people, uh, from like karate, taekwondo, those kind of things, they they do that with a like a front snap kick or whatever, right? A stepping kick is you kick and then follow him because in one case I've kicked him to fold him and then I might have to step back to drive a, a shot in or something like that. In the other instance, I've kicked him and he's stumbling away and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that kick into a step and step forward to follow, right? But the reality and in certain levels of training like in the hot in the where we're breaking it is what if your kick misses right i don't know what he's going to throw then with the next one when i'm practicing so my practice needs to take me to a point where i throw a kick and then i can step in any direction right what i mean by cheating it is because somebody's doing it the same way or they're training on their own right? So they're going to kick and step back. Well, your body's automatically going to adapt so you can kick and step back. So you're able to fall, right? Which is not good to to. Instead of placing the leg, you're falling to the leg, right? The problem with that is if you're falling in the wrong direction, you can't steer until you put your foot down, right? So the drill that I give you guys is, right? I say kick and right in the middle of the kick, what do I say? which direction I want you to put the foot down, Mm -hmm. cross side, side, back, front, whatever. And so if you're off balance, if you pitch lean or you fall while you're kicking, you don't have control. You can't, you can't avoid something. Like if he throws something at the tail end of your kick and you need to avoid it in a, in a certain direction, you need to have wherewithal so that you can move in that direction. Because if you're falling, what's going to happen? You're gonna fall. Good, <laughs> <laughs> with a bruise on your friggin' throat or face or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's the same with all kata, right? We have to catch ourselves cheating. Because, you know, once you learn a technique, step by step by step, just like with most people's walking, most people don't carry their torso with their legs. Most people pitch their torso and their legs catch them. Mm. Okay. He's always said, most people don't walk. Most people are in a controlled state of falling. So until you catch yourself doing that, you can't fix it. And anything that depends on a different way of moving, right? People like to blame the kata. They like to blame the teacher. They like to blame the system or whatever. Sometimes it's just the way they move. It's their habit patterns, Right. Until they fix, like I was talking to a student tonight that is considering getting into the, into the uh, distance training program, and he said something very, very brilliant, right? He, he wants to start with balance control, and then that will make like Sanchi and Kianopo, it will make everything else better, right? Um, just his ability to improve his own balance. And see, most people won't do that. Most, most people won't stop working the kata or their favorite techniques or whatever. And just frickin work on balance control or breathing or whatever the something that's an intr- instrumental piece of that not only that technique but every technique right because it's boring or they already think that they already know how to do it. But if they could already do it, then the technique should work fine, right? If, if, if we have a problem and what we think is the cause of that problem is correct, if we're correct and we fix that problem or make it go away or whatever, then we should be able to do that thing that the problem was inhibiting, right? But if we stall or get rid of or fix the problem or fix that, that thing that we think is at the root but the condition continues to exist... We were wrong. But what do most human beings do? They blame the thing. They blame somebody else. They, well, this sucks. I'm not doing this no more. They quit. They whatever, right? Instead of examining their own freaking perspective, which is why in the, in the Noble Eightfold Path, what's the first thing? Right view, right perspective, right belief. If that's faulty, everything else is faulty. right huh? which is why one of my teachers used to say, you check your ego at the damn door. If you're not willing to do that, there's the damn door, <laughs> <laughs> right? So anyway, right? And, and again, you know, people gravitate to one specific answer. It becomes like, you know, if if all you have is a hammer, then everything's a nail. You know that that phrase, right? Somebody catches something like, I don't know, like the purpose of all strikes is or the root thing of all kata or you know, whatever right and it becomes like this this statement like what if it's not what if the kata isn't the problem what if it's the way one the angle of one step that i'm doing right well, the kata sucks, man. It, it doesn't work this way. I've modified it because, uh, like, that's the way I got to do it. Oh, see, so you can't do the kata. I, before I ever say that a kata doesn't work, and I've never said the kata doesn't work, right, I have to accept the fact that th- thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people have done this thing over how many hundreds of years. And it's still there. So either this mass hallucination. And I'm the only enlightened person in the freaking universe, which is highly unlikely, like way highly unlikely. Right. Then there's something that I'm not doing right. And it's not at the point where I recognize the mistake. Here's that fixing the problem. And it doesn't fix the situation. I fix the thing that I think is wrong, but I'm still making the this cop is still not working. Well, then that's not it. And what's the biggest mistake? What do I point you guys to? It's not the move. That's not working where mm. the problem is. The Perfect. problem is one or two steps before that when You're just bottlenecking at that point where so many mistakes are now causing the inability to do the next piece. The problem is never the point where the where it's mm. manifesting. Right. That's the ca- that's the event, the, the effect. Right. Karma cause and effect. The effect is caused. So I need to look backwards to figure out where I started to go wrong. The effect cannot be the cause. The the effect is the cause of something else, like me being pissed off or frustrated, right? But not, it's not the reason the kata broke. But people keep trying to fix that one moment where they're experiencing the breakage. But it broke, right? Why am I trying to fix the broken glass? How about if I just not swing the hammer at it? Okay. So if I could just keep glass from breaking, that'd be awesome. How about not having shit fall against the glass? That'd be awesome. Right. So again, it's just, it's, it's anyway. So I don't know how we turned. Can caught the help and caught the names, but this all goes to thinking how you look at something is, is how things are going to manifest anyway. Speaking of thinking, right. Um, did you, you, did you, you didn't post the the link yet, right? Launch it. Okay. So we're finally in my freaking house, I, but I got boxes everywhere. So we're, we're unloading and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a week behind what I told you guys, what, uh, Kuden or two ago, um, about the thing. Um, Folks are are jonesing to do more of the personal development training, philosophical kind of stuff and all that. And um, a couple of kuden episodes, we worked on um, things like uh, root causes and stuff like that. Right. So there is this body of knowledge that comes out of our training and whatnot called the Sanji Shichi Dobon in Japanese, um, which means the 37 fundamentals, basically 37 fundamentals of enlightenment, 37 fundamentals leading to enlightenment, that kind of thing. And so uh, I will be doing a course, a live training on this. Uh, it will be minimum 10-week uh, training, right, starting in about a week, right, uh, next week or into the next week, right. Um, so uh, what I'm doing to give people a taste of that, right, other than these little kuden things is we are doing a free webinar, uh, next Thursday. Right? It's 8 p.m. Eastern time on the what's the date?
1: 13th.
0: Thanks. 13th. Right? That's a Thursday, not a Friday. All right. So just so some of you guys aren't getting all like jack-o-wagon weird or whatever. Right. OK, so we're going to be working on one aspect. So the 37 fundamentals are actually seven categories of mindfulness uh, exercises and and work areas. Right. Mm-hmm. That are then subdivided into different things. Right. And so uh, what I thought I'd do is do the webinar on the end result. What we're aiming for the purpose of um, enlightenment training, which is the development of an of an enlightened mind. Right. Instead of guessing at it. Right. This has actually been outlined and has been in existence for well over twenty five hundred years. Right. So these are the branches or characteristics of an enlightened mind and there are seven of them okay so we're gonna do a webinar and cover those and then I'll outline the program and what we're gonna be doing over the course of ten plus weeks for anybody that chooses to jump on okay now the first one obviously it's on me right um, I'm just I'm just gonna give away what an hour hour and a half of training right and um, anybody wants to join me for that little trip that'd be great okay um, James should be able, I don't know if he already did it or not, but James has a, a URL it's up. in the chat, right? Uh, we set up a special registration page over on OnlineNinjaAcademy.com. So I'm going to say it for those who are on the audio-only stuff. So uh James, correct me if I'm wrong. It's uh OnlineNinjaAcademy.com forward slash the number seven hyphen characteristics hyphen webinar. Did I get yes. that right? OK, awesome. We will try in whatever locations that we have um, where uh, that we have access to where in the description of the of the training. Right. There will be uh, the little URL and stuff like that you can click on. Right. Uh, but that's going to be next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's five Pacific. It's going to be whatever it is in your area. We will record it. Right. And there will be one or two scheduled playbacks um, that, you know, if you miss it, you can sign up for it or whatever um, to try to catch on. Uh, but once the program, you know, once the 37 fundamentals program starts, um, then, I mean, it's it's going to be locked in. Right. You can't jump in uh midway or whatever. It's just it it will make no sense. OK, not it won't make any sense for you to jump in you'll really struggle. Okay. So um, anyway, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, This is really about clarity of mind. It's about getting over um, programming, prior programming, uh, whether we did it to ourselves, somebody else taught us something was so uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was cultural, whatever, right? What we're trying to do is peel back the layers of things so that we Are just more clear about ourselves, our world, our martial art, our whatever, right? So that we can produce the kind of results that we want to be producing, right? And I I sum this stuff up, right? Whenever I'm teaching this stuff, my my focus is self-protection, personal development, when it comes to ninjutsu and and all this stuff that we have, right? Ninpo, right? Um, I sum it up this way, right? It is the lessons necessary for producing the life you've always wanted to live, and the skills necessary for protecting that life from anything that might threaten it, okay? I believe that most people come at both sides of these things in a very unbalanced way, okay? They either work on the developing the life they've always wanted to live, but they spend no time developing the skill set that will allow them to protect that, that life of value, right? They expect the cops to do it or the government to do it or whatever right but you know what it's no different on the other side people jump into martial arts self-defense training or whatever and learn all these skills so they can protect themselves but they can't define the value that they bring to themselves their family the world or whatever and why they're deserving of being protected right this is this is not a this is not a, a single-edged sword this is a double-edged sword Right. So um, that's why I do programs on both sides. OK. Um, now, that being said, if you are listening in and you're in my Platinum Plus or Platinum Elite uh, online long distance training program, uh, you, I mean, you can sign up for it so I know that you're there or whatever. And that's, that's how you'll get the access stuff. But when the 37 fundamentals course comes around, um, you guys are at that top tier where you get all programs that I create. So um there's no extra cost right you'll just get access uh your your email address and all that kind of stuff will automatically be plugged in and you're going to get them whether you can show up live or not you're going to get all the recordings for that program that program um, is being heavily discounted this time around because um, we're putting it in place and so eventually it will be a evergreen program but those people won't have any access to me other than email coaching uh, the folks that jump on this live program um, you can ask questions. There's going to be um, special sessions um, where it's just, you know, working on things personally. Uh, so it's not just going to be education, education, education. Right. Um, there'll be like Q&A sessions and things like that. So those guys won't do anything. If you're in the standard uh platinum inner circle program, then, you know, you get your same discount that you you always get. OK, um, which I think is what, 40 percent, something like that. Right. Um, Mm. uh, Whatever pages we put up, you guys will not be registering through those pages. Um, You'll get uh, special stuff just like you do for every seminar, camp, whatever, so that you can get your your discount and and whatnot. Right. Um, For everybody else. Right. um, If you're if this is something you're truly interested in, then uh, the first step is the the webinar way of coming up, because, again, we're going to outline the goal. Right. If those things just don't resonate with you. Right. Um, then you will have wasted nothing but an hour, or hour and a half of your time. Right. And if they do, well, then we'll explain the program and you can choose from there. OK. And that's all I have. So uh, other than a reminder to everybody that spring camp is coming up May 19th to the 21st can't do the whole thing you can do a day or you can do a session um, there is a virtual option as well as there's a live option i just signed up three more people today um, into it uh, we only have 30 spots um, so if you go to online ninja academy.com forward slash events um first event because we're going to be adding the 37 fundamentals here shortly but um if you go to that uh the theme for this year is ninja realms of power uh, and there's a subhead to that too. I just don't have it memorized, but what we're really looking at are things from the art that it's not just about combat. It's about handling all kinds of challenges and, um, and that kind of thing. But take a look at it on that page. Um, so, so that's there. And again, there's a live, uh, option. There's also a, a virtual option. And I extended the final discount to one that I, uh, I think it's coming up this week, isn't it? 15th. 15th. Yeah. So, um, you can still save a bunch of bucks, right? Um, off. And then, um, there's also a payment plan option. You can always contact us about that if you need that. Um, we're more than willing to work with people as long as it's fair for both on both sides. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. Anything else, James? Questions from anybody? Comments? Oh, there's just, Two from
1: Tori came in. Uh, When you talked about using the clothing, it makes me think of wrapping Uke up. How they respond gives you the feeling of what to do next. So I guess it is correct to say we are dreaming up the technique as we go. Okay. And that was John Cedia's approach. Thank you for discussing other doing things with the feeling of the other schools.
0: Hmm. I didn't plan on that, but it fell out. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's one last one from Rob that uh, once you do the kata, it becomes a part of you like you have it. You just do it. It blends into the everyday and into your martial arts like breathing.
0: Yeah, but you don't think about it anymore, just like you don't think about breathing. Can you imagine <laughs> if you were born having to consciously think about breathe in, breathe out, and then you forgot Right. I mean, people freaking forget all kinds of stuff. Can you imagine forgetting to breathe? Yeah. So the trick is to get things into the subconscious storehouse into um, and the new science is, is actually showing that what we've always called subconscious is actually what a lot of people have called muscle memory for a long time. Right. So, you know, just think about the way you learned how to drive. Right. When you first got in there, you had to figure out how, how everything worked, and sometimes, you know, people just watched how dad or mom drove or whatever and got a sense for it. But it's different when you're sitting there and you actually have to do it, right? And but you're more left brain than anything else, right? Because you're you're watching the road and and whoever's helping mom, dad, whatever, and they go, okay, put your left turn signal on. Ah, uh, which which handle, which what, you know, that kind of thing, right? Okay, start to slow down, and you're like fishing around for the brake pedal and all kinds of stuff, right? A little too much, little too little, you know, whatever. Right. And now you don't even freaking give it any thought. You eat a sandwich while you're driving or you flip somebody off or you're having a major conversation or some people are putting on makeup or I, I want to throat punch people that are texting and shit like that. But Hey, you know, um, anyway, um, so it, but it's the same, right? Developing the, the skill out of it. Um, but you don't drive the same as you learn to drive. I mean, you still go through the motions that that operate the vehicle. But at this point in your life, I mean, you're a little almost as old as me. Um, But if you've been driving that long or whatever, right, you hop in the car, you, you just think about where you're going. Right. And there's almost this feeling of oneness, like you're just going there. Because if you had to think about driving again in each of your movements, right, it would that would get in the way. Right. So what we want to do is cr- we want to transcend the step by step and to have even having to think about it so we can get to the point where that's just right. It's like when I, I met my wife 15 years ago and during our first conversations. Right. I was very, very clear. Right. This martial arts thing. This is not something that I do. This is so much a part of me that I can't not do it. And that's not a cliche. Right. I I look at things in the world through the filter of like kata and, and experiences and leverage and references and things like that. They don't have the names. I don't go, oh guy uh, tripped and should have done a nothing like that. Right. It's just the the martial arts philosophy and stuff and all these things. Right. Um, You know, if I see, if I hear a commotion and I look over and I mean, it could be teenagers just kind of screwing around for half a minute. Right. I look over it's it's like it, the first thing I recognize are um, entry and lines of motion and uh, weak points. But I don't have to think about it. It's just uh, I, I see space. Right. And I. Okay. But I can also do it with conversation, arguments, all those kind of things. Right. Because you need to trans transcend the very the very idea that this is all about physical violence. What about arguments? What about pushy salesmen? What right about your rowdy kids? What about, you know, whatever. Right. What about other people's belief systems that piss you off completely and then you lose your own freaking mind and whatever. Right. So. But you're right. Right. The cop that gets assimilated into you. Right. So anyway. Right. So don't forget. Right. Next thursday is it no it's this thursday it's this thursday yeah. this thursday right today's monday it's this thursday right um 8 p.m eastern check your check your time zones um we are doing the seven characteristics or seven branches of an enlightened mind right so go to online ninja forward slash the number seven hyphen characteristics hyphen webinar right Get yourself signed up because you're going to need to do that to get the access. We're going to do it on Zoom. Um, but you'll need to get the access information and all that kind of stuff so that, uh, you can be a part of it. Unfortunately, James has to work at his other job, um, uh, because we haven't broken him free yet. It's like yeah. breaking him out of the matrix, right? Okay. We haven't <laughs> broken him free yet. Um, but, um, yeah. Well, Have a good ride. And also know that um, a lot of people that are going to be signing up for this are probably not martial artists as well, because this is open to people within the martial arts realm, Bujinkan and all that kind of stuff that are inclined toward this kind of training. But it's also open to people that want that aspect, but are probably not tied into martial arts. Okay, so anything else, James? No, sir. No, sir. All right. Well, in that case, I will talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio, subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.